Welcome to the Sacred Ancestry Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Worm. I'm so excited for this episode. We have Megan back to talk about Tim's foundation and what she's doing to help firefighters with PTSD and uh, just moving forward with their lives and first responders and mental health and all that amazing work that she's doing. So yeah, let's welcome Megan to the show and uh, Megan. So last time we talked, you know, we got kind of cut off in the middle of our interview and you know, we kind of talked about your, your fire career and, um, you know, the passing of your father and, and how that's affected you and kind of what you've been doing now. So could we just do a little recap for the folks that didn't listen to the last episode? Yeah. Um, so I originally started as a junior fireman um, outside of Pittsburgh. Um, at the age of 14 and when I was 16 I moved up to uh, about 45 minutes away from Erie um, I stopped for a little bit because we weren't sure where we were going to be what town we were going to stay in and once we found our permanent town I joined one of the fire departments there which at the time I didn't even know that my my father had belonged to <laughs> um, until the uh, until they were going through my application and everything. Um, got accepted there. Um, ended up leaving. There was a lot of um, a lot of political troubles that were going on that I didn't want to see myself or my father mixed up with. Um, my father, on May 16th, uh, a month, not even a month, a couple weeks before my high school graduation, um, ended up taking his own life, um, because of PTSD that he, um, suffered with through the job of being a paramedic for almost 18 years and a firefighter for 27. Um, and we, we had the connection that, you know, I wanted to be a firefighter. He wanted me to be one with him. So I was real excited, you know, for oh, first call I get to go on, it's going to be with my dad. I was so excited, but um, it was really, really unnerving to me and my family that we lost him that way. Um, no one honestly saw it coming. So I left from that fire department because it not only with the political stuff, but I also felt, oh, hold on. Our page is going off. That's okay. Um, oof. Uh, anyways, we um, I left that fire department because I was uncomfortable being there without my father and with all the political stuff. So I went to another one, and I was welcomed with open arms. Um, then I started having um, what are called pseudo seizures. Um, and the pseudo seizures is um, the doctors are saying it's an anxiety, it's a severe anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. um, so I haven't been able to be a firefighter for about almost two years now. And it kind of stinks because it's all I've grown up, all I've ever known. But um, 
I left that second department and I'm with the department that my boyfriend is a firefighter with. They, you know, it's a bigger family there. I felt more welcome, more comfortable there. And um, they have let me be their fire photographer instead of a firefighter until I get my health back to where it needs to be. Wow, that's so amazing that they, you know, welcomed you with open arms and and now you're doing photography with, with the fire folks. That's so cool. And, you know, if we can go back just a little bit, I, I have a quick question on if uh, if you and the family ever noticed or if your father talked about the PTSD or was it really his own internal battle that nobody saw? There were a few calls that my father would talk about. Um, some that we knew really stuck with him. Um, he, about two months after my little brother was born, he um, he got a call while he was on the ambulance about um, a mother in labor. And when he got there, he delivered the babies and they were stillborn. And that was one that really stuck with him. Just about anyone that involved children stuck with him. Um, we do know that my father suffered from uh, bipolar depression. So we believe that also played a part into everything, but he was able to handle the bipolar depression better than, you know, it, it runs in the family. So my aunt has it. Um, I have it. My, uh, basically everyone on my dad's side of the family has it. And we're not sure, like I said, we're not sure if that played a part into it, but it was definitely, um, according in the, to the note that he left his, um, his fiance, my soon to be stepmother, um, that, you know, he just couldn't take the pain and suffering anymore. And that's just, you know, how it goes, how it went. Um, I'm really sorry for your loss, Megan. And thank you so much for opening up and talking about, about it like this. It's so important to, to, you know, talk about these things and, and help raise awareness about PTSD and suicide and the first responders. And, you know, something I want to talk about today was, is really, you know, I keep seeing these articles and seeing uh, all these studies showing that there's, you know, we're losing more first responders, firefighters, paramedics to suicide than, you know, on the line or on duty, uh, you know, accidents or uh, deaths like that. And when I saw that, it really opened my eyes to how big of a problem the first responder mental health issues are. It's, it's not just one or two people per department, it's, it's almost half or more than that. What do you think? Um, I was reading an article, oh God, it was based out of Cleveland, I think, um, where the volunteer firefighters there are really pushing for mental health services. Um, I have uh, board member applications that I have people fill out if they want to be a member of the board. And one of the questions on there is, you know, why do you want to be, um, why do you want to be on the board? And they always say, you know, um, one of my friends said, we were losing too many 
it's not fair to us. It's not fair to the families. Um, basically, you know, it's not fair in general. And uh, they they said that um, that it's drastic the amount of members or brothers and sisters that we're losing because of this, and no one's really providing them the support that they need. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? Just that like testimonial and applications that just how deep this problem really is. And it's, it's, you know, it's the first responders, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, you know, the veterans, it's, it's really across the board and all spectrums and all lines of duty. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, how are we going to come together as a community, as, as a fire community, as an EMT community to really work through this? And, and what are your thoughts on that? I think I said this in our last interview um, that people are afraid to talk about it. First responders are afraid to talk about it because um, they, you know, they're held to such a higher standard than most people. And, you know, oh, here comes the big, you know, the big strong firemen, you know, the strong compassionate EMT, the hardworking police, you know, like, it goes all across the board, dispatch, fire, EMS, police. And we're held to such a big standard that if anyone shows, quote, like a sign of weakness, then they're afraid that they won't be viewed highly like they normally are, which is wrong. It's honestly wrong. I'm upset that that's how most people feel. I've had a couple of people that have reached out to me Um that have said that they feel like they're worthless or they're weak reaching out for help. And I told them that that's wrong. Asking for help makes you stronger. And, you know, there have been people that have told me that people in their departments have made fun of them for it. And I said, well, then they don't have a place in the brotherhood because, you know, if you're just going to make fun of your, your brother, your sister for, going through this stuff and it comes down to you going through it, you know, and no one shows you that support. You're going to wonder why. Yeah. And gosh, that just really, you know, goes deep for me too, as a wildland firefighter for so many years of just, you know, that's totally the culture of like any emotion talking about any sort of mental health or, anything that you're going through personally is just, you become a target. You become, you know, honestly, in my experience in, in uh, all the crews I've worked on, it's really comes down to being bullied about it. I mean, I think that's a lot of where the fear comes from is that, you know, they see one person going through it in the department or the crew or whatever the situation is. And now that person's a target for bullying or even harassment or, or their job being threatened because they're, you know, they're going through something mentally and they, they need mental health. They need some help. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a tragedy that like you're saying, there's not that, that support, that support for, for that mental health growth and, and, you know, helping themselves so they can keep going and keep helping all those other people in the community, you know? Yeah. And at times people, um, in departments, I know um, 
some friends have told me that, you know, they'll go to, you know, if they run like a bad car accident. Um, I was on, on a bad car accident a couple years ago and certain things about that call, you know, still sticks with me. And, um, you know, you go to these people that are your family, basically, your brothers, your sisters, your, you know, you go to your chief, your lieutenant, assistant chief. And, you know, you're like, hey, I, I really got a problem. I know you're supposed to be here to talk to me. And they they just brush you off. Um, I had a chief that would just, you know, brush off any problem anyone had. Because, you know, he didn't really, I don't want to say he didn't care. But whenever it came to things like that, I don't know if he just honestly didn't care. Or if, you know, it was too sensitive for him to talk about himself. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's a lot of it too, is it's so uh, in our culture, you know, to just stuff everything down, stuff the feelings. And it's, you know, these things are so sensitive that uh, it's, it's just hard to talk about. You know, I get that. I felt that before. It's, it's really hard to talk about and it takes courage. And that's why, you know, like you said before, I think asking for help and really raising your hand and saying, look, I need to take care of myself right now. takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of leadership and it shows strength. Everyone has the strength inside of them, honestly. You know, it, it doesn't take a lot to ask for help. It's just the fear. The fear of being ridiculed, the fear of being criticized, the fear of not being viewed the same way that you were. And honestly, that part really does break my heart because, you know, people that don't have the experience as a first responder, they're always encouraged, oh, Let's, you know, you're, you're having a real bad problem with this thing. Let's go get you counseling. Let's go get you somebody to talk to. And they're fully supported. But our first responders, they're not. Our first responders are not supported whatsoever with getting the proper, you know, proper support from family and friends as it is opposed to just a normal person. You know, yeah, something bad happened in your life. but um, something bad happened in your life but there's a way we can deal with it but then you know you look on the first responder side of things and people just aren't that supportive yeah and I guess you know to to add to that is is like the you know the calls that are really horrific and and the calls that stick with the first responders for so long and then you know they do have normal lives bad things do happen you know they get a divorce they have, you know, lose income or lose a house or, you know, lose a family member, like all those things just add on top of this being a first responder with a normal life. And it just, it's like just a cascading, you know, effect of, of just trauma adding and adding. And, and like you said, it just breaks my heart that there's that fear for reaching out uh, compared to normal people. And, and, uh, you know, I really think that you are on a great mission to really change that stigma and to help people open their eyes. And, and have you been doing anything like live events or anything or planning, thinking about doing stuff? Like what's your plan on, on just trying to get this message more out there? 
So um, currently right now, I do have a, um, a t-shirt sale that has our mission on the back of it going on until the 22nd of this month. Um, that is one way that we're getting our name out there. I did a t-shirt sale a couple months ago. Didn't really sell a whole lot. Um, but this time around, um, I, my mom, she wore her shirt to the gym and she had like six or seven people asking her about the shirt. And there's people from all over the country that are ordering these shirts and saying that they're, they're loving them. Um, my uncle, who is my dad's brother, um, him and his wife got, have them and they wear them, you know, they wear them all the time. My uncle, he's a firefighter up in Hyannis, Massachusetts, and he wears his, you know, constantly whenever he goes down to the fire department. Yeah, and, and what does the shirt say, and, and where can I get one? Um, the shirts say, um, for those we lost is why we're fighting on the back, um, and it's got the fire department, police, dispatcher, EMS. And then um, on the front of it, it does say Tim's House for First Responders. And it can be found at bonfire.com slash Tim's House round two. Nice. Okay. And it's the, it's the number two, not the, not the word. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make sure to put that link in the show notes for everybody. And yeah, make sure if you're listening to this, go freaking buy one of those shirts because you're going to support Megan and her mission and just, you know, this beautiful mission that you're on and helping spread this word of mental health and first responders. And yeah, so go out there and buy this shirt, please. Another thing that we're doing is um, it started last year. We are doing an annual dinner located in different areas. Um, Last year, we did it uh, close to home in Meadville, Pennsylvania. Um, this year, we are hoping to have it down in my hometown of Arnold and New Kensington, Pennsylvania. After that, um, we're going to see what other states we can go to to kind of spread our name more. And I am currently in the works of writing down every fire department, dispatch center, police um, department, and um, ambulance service in the entire 50 states. Um, I already have six states completed that I'm going to be mailing out information and I'm willing to go down to these different departments and speak to them about um, about the risks and what we can do to change it and I'm also in the process of becoming a certified instructor in mental health first aid okay awesome. so I think that would play a very big part in um, my wanting to help the first responders out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And what's, what's the mental health first aid for people that don't know? Um, it's, it's, it can be kind of hard to describe it for people that don't know. Um, it's basically how you look out for 
yourself, you know, you look out for warning signs, triggers. Um, you not only look at it for yourself, but you also look at it for those around you. Um, my mother, she has uh, PTSD from, for different reasons. And, you know, there are certain things that get to her. Um, I have PTSD, but there's a different reason that I have it. And there's certain things that trigger me. And um, it's just to help, uh, it's to help people realize that, you know, kind of like what I'm doing, A, they're not alone. And B, um, you know, there it it's kind of like an uncertified counseling kind of thing. Um, for you know, if you know, if your friend reaches out to you and says that they're struggling um, with a certain thing, you have more knowledge of how to handle it and what the proper way of helping them is. I had um, I had a friend message me, tell me she was over it. She was just, you know, going to take, take her own life and everything. And, um, I was worried about her, her son that she has. So I, I had called the police and, but I found out later that, uh, one of our friends had taken her to go get the help that she needed. And, you know, I, I tried talking with her, but I'm just really glad that my friend was gonna, was there for her because I was really worried about her son, her, um, I think he's, I think he just turned three. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, pretty heavy. It's that close to home for you still. And, and, uh, really that mental first aid, you know, it sounds like you're, you're training the whole department to help each other, which is, which is pretty amazing. Is that right? Yes. Um, it, it's really important that, you know, we not only help ourselves, but we have to help each other. I mean, you know, it's, it stands out there that this is a brotherhood, um, brotherhood, sisterhood, whichever view you'd like to use, but you know, it's all fun and games whenever, you know, we're joking around on our way back from a call or, you know, we're joking around about, oh, sorry, certain things. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it all comes down to, you know, it was a real bad call. Are you okay? Truthfully and honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just talking to one of my friends that's in fire still, and he's just like, you know, that feeling when you're hiking into a fire and and you keep thinking everything's going to be okay, but deep down you know that you're not okay. It's like, man, how many people on the fire line or in city fire or EMS are like, have that same exact thought? Like, I can just push through this, but they're really like in the back of their mind, they're just like, I'm not okay, you know? Yeah, I have, um, I have a goal to do today before I go into work. Um, there was a real tragic incident yesterday, a um, couple towns over. Um, a four-year-old was hit by a car, and he unfortunately succumbed to his injuries. And I'm going to be um, 
emailing the chief of the fire department out there and the chief of the ambulance service to offer any support that they may need or anything because you know calls in general involving you know children are rough and having something like that happen is just heartbreaking yeah yeah wow you have such a big heart megan my my mom raised me no other way (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah yeah and uh you know i think i think we could make a really good partnership someday in in working together and and you know what i'm doing with first responders is really providing that help with the ptsd and helping them release it and then move forward you know and uh my passion is working with the current you know, people that are working as a firefighter, as an EMT or paramedic and all those and helping them release the past of the PTSD through the MER techniques, mental emotional release, and then really helping them build up that confidence again and get back to work and get back to that peak performance and leadership and all those things. And, you know, I think with the mental health first aid and, and the MER and NLP techniques that I use with my, my clients, like this is, I think we can make a dent in this, right? What do you think? I I definitely think we can. Um, I've already had a few people reach out to me and say that by being in the group, um, because originally this organization started out as just a Facebook group, um, just for a handful of friends that I had. And then I I got to thinking, you know, maybe I should step it up a level. So I started putting my name out there on different um, different platforms that the first responder community use. Um, there's a Facebook page called um, Be Strong, Be Brave, Be 911. Um, there's another one called a Firefighters Community. I've reached out on all those. Um, and it just kind of snowballed in a good way from there. <laughs> yeah. And now uh, we're in the process of getting our 501c3, being a complete nonprofit, um, being able to go out. And my goal is to be able to go out and talk face-to-face with these first responders do um do a presentation talk with them get them to understand you know if you're if you're struggling there is a place you can reach out to there is someone out there that cares for you you don't have to fight this fight alone you know because we're losing too many too many brothers and sisters out there um my hometown we just lost um we just lost a firefighter earlier in the week um but it wasn't to PTSD or anything like that. Um, he unfortunately had cancer, and I know it's an, it's affecting the um, the departments down there. I know a lot of my friends and family down there are very, very heartbroken and upset. Yeah, you know, and that's another piece to all this is just physical health and the chemicals and everything that goes on with you know, the firefighting in general, it's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of that out there, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Um, physical health is, or mental health is very, very important, but physical health is also extremely important. I mean, you know, when, 
uh, when I would go to the gym, I would see, you know, guys come in there all the time, guys and girls come in there all the time with shirts representing whatever department they or a family member was in, you know, just working out to, to, you know, their fullest extent to get stronger and tougher. But, um, but if they don't keep an eye on their mental health also, then building that physical strength isn't, isn't going to cut it in this field. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that being just like a holistic health. And, you know, I always talk about mind, body, spirit, and, and just really all three of those have to be in alignment for true health. And, you know, that's my belief anyway. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're a person and all health matters around the board. I mean, I have a, a, an extended list of health issues that I'm coping with and getting, getting the help that I need um, and everything. So my physical wellness is there. My mental wellness I'm still going through certain things, um, like, you know, the loss of my father, um, the, I, I lost all three of my grandparents and all well, three out of four of my grandparents in an 11, an 11 month time period, which is what, um, my therapist said led to my PTSD. And we, like, I'm still going through that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help. I mean, I tried, you know, to forget, you know, their anniversary, anniversaries of their passing instead of celebrating their life, I would run off to the gym and just, I'd stay there for hours and hours, but you got to also keep track of your mental health. Yeah. And, uh, you know, recently I'll say that, you know, my, my personal mental health has been, it's a couple of years ago, I was really in a dark place. I was having a really hard time with my anxiety and um, I'm starting to realize I, I never got diagnosed, but I think there was some PTSD stuff going on. And, and I re- recently went through my own mental emotional release um, with, with the person I'm working with for my clients. And it was so transformational and it was so eye opening. even though I'm studying to get this certification, you know, I'll be certified this summer to do the the sessions and everything. Uh, awesome. But what was so surprising is that the events that came up and one of the things I've been struggling with, even I've been doing so well, but I have had this like anxiety for, for years and years of like, if I'm late, it's like the end of the world. Like five minutes early was like still anxious for me. And, and I never really realized how bad that was until we were in the session. And, you know, I'm like in a really deep, you know, meditative state or trance state, if you will. And, you know, and they asked me the question, like, what does it mean to be late? And like, I just started getting these flashbacks to this event of like, I was on this fire assignment and um, it was me and my engine boss. And um, we were driving around with the task force leader with the hotshot supervisor and we're just like driving up this canyon, you know, it's all brushy and, and pinion junipers and um, in eastern Idaho. And, uh, you know, we're scouting out for for buildings and outcroppings and kind of making tactical plans and stuff like that. And then um, so we get turned around and 
you know, air attack calls in like, Hey, like whoever that engineer down there in that Canyon's kind of a bad spot. Um, you guys need to get out of there. It's like, okay. So we start driving out and we get a flat tire. And now there's like, you know, helicopters basically like dropping around us. Like there's fire coming all around us. And, and I just remembered in that moment in the session, like this, the hotshot soup is just yelling and screaming, like, I'm going to be late to the briefing. I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. And what was so interesting is now, like in this session, I instantly realized that this belief that it, if I'm late, I'm going to die. Like, and I was literally, I believed that and carried that subconsciously with me. And it was so incredible to actually release that belief and how it's like, okay, time is not killing me. That's like, you know, of course we're all going to have our transition, but it's like time right now is not killing me. And beyond to like release that and truly get over that, it was uh, really empowering and, and I just want to tell that story because it made me realize how these calls, how these situations, they are so literal in our subconscious minds that we take them literally and we believe them. And it's, it's, uh, and that's a lot of the, the struggles out there with the first responders, I think, is, is just the subconscious and what we're seeing and how hard the job really is, you know. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, there was a, like I said, there was a bad accident I was on a couple years ago. Um, it stuck with me. Um, it was really bad. I mean, I've been with my, I've been with my boyfriend going on two years and he can even attest that um, my, my PTSD and my nightmares were absolutely horrible when we first got together, um, cause there were certain things, you know, still to this day that stick with me. Um, I, I worked as a nurse's aide, so I was seeing death all the time and that stuff really stuck with me. Um, there, there was one, one death that really, really affected me, um, cause I viewed this person as my own grandparents, um, really formed it. I know, you know, e even in like the world of EMS, they tell you not to form a bond with your patient, but I mean, it's kind of inevitable that you will just because you're a person, you're going to bond with them. You're gonna, you know, you, you have to talk with them on the ride to the hospital in the nursing home, you have to talk to them because some of these people don't even like their families don't come and visit them. Um, it got to the point where I didn't sleep for about five, four to five days. And um, in talking with my boyfriend and getting all this stuff off my chest and seeking the right help that I needed I finally am to a place where, you know, I can sleep at night. I'm not seeing every face of every resident that has ever passed. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not that way anymore. Which wow, that's is, amazing. I, I mean, I was having nightmares every night. It was waking him up. We would, he would wake me up. And we'd sit there for about five minutes before going back to bed. There were days where I would wake up. Well, he would wake me up. 
and then we would have to he would have to do it about four more times throughout the night because he would wake me up whenever I'd be thrashing around in my sleep just to talk to me and make sure I was okay and and honestly I can't I can't be more grateful for a person honestly <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's uh I'm so happy that you're doing better Megan that's uh that's amazing to hear that and gosh yeah just thank you so much for everything that you're doing and, and your big heart and and you know this organization that you're standing up right now I think you're gonna go uh, really big with this and I want to help you do that any way I can so um, I would for sure love to partner up with you yeah yeah I think we have a lot in common and we have some really good work to do most definitely yeah and uh do you want to talk about anything else today I'm I'm feeling pretty complete with with uh our interview today what do you think I'm feeling really good about it too yeah yeah, I think we covered a lot of ground and actually I did want to add in just one one thing here is that you know last time uh we talked about some supernatural things that you experienced as a a nurse's aide and and uh something, you know, I talked to maybe four or five people a week about my program and and what it looks like and how I can help them on the phone and been talking to a lot of firefighters and EMS folks and I have to say, I've been asking that question to almost everybody. And I would say it's like 50% of people are like, are have struggles with, with seeing the spirits and stuff like that. So it's really interesting that it's, it's really widespread. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to add that in there because I thought it was really interesting and, and just validating of what you were talking about last episode. It is, it is absolutely crazy. I mean, it, um, there has been times, even though like I'm sitting at work, um, I'm a security guard for, um, an aluminum extrusion company and we, um, I do two overnight shifts a week. Um, I work 10 P to 6 A on Friday and Saturday, and there is nobody in the plant those days. And there have been times where I swear, you know, former residents of mine have been like walking up and down the halls. It's just, it, it's so outrageously, I don't want to say scary or spooky, but it's, it's definitely a different feeling that you get. Um, obviously, you know, these are people that I'm seeing, they're not you know, they're clearly, they're not there to harm anybody. They're just here to, my personal view is if they're still coming around, if you see them and they're still faint, it's their way of thanking you for everything that you've done for them. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I would agree with that. It's not to, it's not scare that it's not to scare you. It's not to, um, terrify you away from doing a thing that you're passionate about it's their their way of even though you know hey I've passed on you know I know you did everything you could for me it's it's their way of continuing to thank you right yeah yeah it's pretty powerful isn't it Mm -hmm. definitely Yeah. yeah 
Well, let's, um, you know, let's uh, talk soon uh, more about partnering up and, uh, you know, I think uh, we can do a lot of big things together and, and let's sure. make, let's make a live event happen someday, you know, in the next, next six months or a year, let's, let's do something together and uh, let's talk more about that. And, and I'll get uh, your shirt sale on the show notes and uh, I want to buy a couple and, and support them here in Montana and get the word out and, um, honestly, just thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And, and, uh, uh, I love your mission and this path that you're on is, is so great. And, um, thank you so much. And I'll just leave it to you if you have anything else. Otherwise I think I'm feeling pretty good. No, th- thank you again for having me on here. I mean, I know last time we got disconnected, I was extremely frustrated about that, but thank you for having me again. Of course, and we'll have you on again sometime, okay? You have a wonderful day. Yes, you too. Okay.